Hello, welcome to the podcast of Chesterfield Baptist Church. This is our final message in the series, Soul Repair, and it is entitled, I'm Tired. We're just going to read the first three verses this morning. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still, quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. So far we've talked about I'm hopeless, I'm angry, I'm lonely, and this morning we're going to talk about I'm tired. Let's pray. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, thank You once again for bringing us into this place, for gathering us together under the, under the guise of hearing the Word of God preached today. May the Holy Spirit speak to us in a special, special way, dear Lord. And I pray that you have something extraordinary for every Christian in here today. Lord, some of us were tired. Thank you for what you've done for us. Be with the message as it's brought today. Be with us all. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. So, we've been going through a series called Soul Repair, and one of the questions that we've been asking through this series is, how is your soul? Because this is a genuine question, because far too often we neglect our soul. We don't care about our soul. We neglect it so often. But the Bible has a lot to say about your soul. And did you know that one-third of every time your soul is mentioned in the Bible, one-third of that is all in one book in the Old Testament, and it's the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms talks about our soul more than any other book in the entire Bible. Psalm 6.3 says, And my soul is greatly dismayed, but you, O Lord, how long? Psalms 35, 9 says, And my soul shall rejoice in the Lord, and it shall exult in His salvation. So I want you to understand that our soul is more than this uh, intangible thing. Okay, it's, it's so much more than that. In fact, we read in these, in these verses that we just read, we see that sometimes our soul can rejoice. And sometimes our soul can be in anguish. And sometimes our soul can be in pain. And so our souls can have emotions attached to them. And this is, this is something that we usually don't think about when it, when it comes to our soul. You know, sometimes our soul's rejoicing, sometimes it's in anguish. But we have to ask, what emotion is attached to your soul right now? What emotion is attached to your soul right this second? Well, before we answer that question, we have to ask ourselves the question, what is a soul anyway? What, what, what is a soul? Someone once said, your soul is what integrates your mind, body, and will into a single life. Your soul is the center of you. 
Your soul is the center of who you are. Your soul, it's who you are. Your soul is the part of you that's going to last forever. If we went to the hospital and we asked a technician to take an x-ray of your brain, they would have no problem taking an x-ray of your brain, okay? But if we went in that same hospital and asked that technician to take an x-ray of your soul, he would have a hard time finding it. Well, but just because you can't see it doesn't mean it doesn't exist, just like your emotions. We can't take an x-ray of your emotions, but we know you have them, okay? So, you know, uh, the, the emotions we know are real as well. But what I want us to know today is that your soul feels things. And what your soul feels affects you in a great and mighty way. What do you feel today? Christian, does your soul feel angry? Does your soul feel angry today? Does your soul feel depressed today? Does your soul feel overwhelmed today? And the, question, the main question we're going to ask today is, does your soul feel tired? Does your soul feel weary? So what makes our soul tired? Is it the rat race? Going back to work, school, side jobs? We've just got all these irons on the fire. It just makes our soul tired. You know what makes your soul more tired than anything else is relational conflict. That can drain your soul. A conflict with your spouse where you're not seeing eye to eye with your spouse. The kids, they're just... For some reason, they won't go away. They're always around. You just look, oh, there you are again. You didn't get lost already. But your kids are always around. Or another thing is family drama. Just this drama, just draining. It's just a drain to where you just want to go, just like throw the phone in the lake and go to the top of a mountain and just sit down to just to just get away from all the drama and all that stuff can just make your soul so tired. My stepdad had a guy that used to work for him. My stepdad, he, he uh, graduated. He retired UPS. And, but ever since then, he does not know how to sit still. He's go, go, go. And one of the things he did is he owned a dump truck business afterwards. And uh, I uh, had a he even taught me how to use the backhoe. And so he had a guy that was driving the dump truck for him. And I'm walking through the driveway of the house one day. And I walk beside this little Nissan pickup truck. And it's running. And I forget the man's name. But I go to my stepdad. And I said, Mr. Obi, you want me to go turn this truck off for him? And he said, no, he never turns it off. You see, the truck, he has a hard time getting it started. So he just never kills it. He just, he comes to work. He, he run, it runs the whole time while he's at work. He gets off work, he goes home, he goes to the driveway in his house, he, he puts the truck there, he gets out, he walks in the house, and the truck just continues to run while he's asleep eating supper. The truck never ever gets turned off, and you and I both know that the truck can't run forever. 
It cannot run forever. One day, either he's going to turn the truck off or the truck is going to turn itself off. But one day, the truck cannot run forever. So many times, we are that truck. When we're at work, we're running. When we're at home, we're running. We're at the grocery store, we're running. And we never turn off, and we never clock out, and we never stop, and we never take a breath, and you cannot go on that way forever. You can't. We all know the song. I'm in a hurry to get things done. I rush and rush until life's no fun. All I got to do is live and die, but I'm in a hurry and I don't know why. And yes, your pastor just quoted Alabama. Look, your soul can run for a long time, but eventually it's going to have to get filled back up. Eventually, it's got to be filled back up. And are you tired this morning? Is your soul weary? Is your soul tired? Do you feel like this morning that you're running on fumes? A nap is not going to fix it. A couple of days off is not going to fix it. Two weeks off is not going to fix it. You ever feel you need to get away on a vacation because you're so stressed? You go away. You might even have time while you're gone. Yeah, you might even have a good time while you're gone. But when you get back, everything's just like you left it. Nothing has changed. That's because you're not physically tired. It's not your body that's tired. It's your soul that's tired. That's why a vacation won't fix it. Your soul is what's tired. Amalek came to fight the children of Israel. Moses looks over to Joshua. I want you to pick some choice men. I want you to choose some good men. And I want you to go out in the valley and I want you to find Amalek. And I'm going to take old A.A. Ron and her. And we're going to go up to the top of this mountain. And I'm going to get to the top of the mountain. And I'm going to hold the staff up. So everybody went and did what they were supposed to do. And Joshua took his men and went down to the valley. And Moses took Aaron and her and went up to the top of the mountain. And when he got up there, he took the staff and he held the staff in the air and what he noticed as long as the staff was in the air Israel was winning but Moses grew tired and Moses grew weary and you know sometimes your mind can push your body beyond its limits you ever notice that sometimes you're working and it gets 2.30 and you think to yourself Man, I have not eaten yet. And you wasn't hungry until you had that thought. And then you just, man, that's all you can think about. But you got to get the work done. So you push through. And so I can almost guarantee you that Moses lifted that staff up and his mental, his, his mind pushed his body past its limits. But even after a while, he could not hold that staff up any longer. His arms began to fail. Because he had hit a wall and his arms began to drop. But let me tell you something. As the staff began to drop, Amalek would begin to win. But thankfully Aaron was there. And thankfully Hur was there. And they took him and sat him on a rock and held his arms in the air. And Israel began to win. 
You know, sometimes we think I can do it all by myself. I can do everything by myself. And when we think that, we bite off more than we can chew. We bite off more than we can chew and we might do well for a while, but something's coming. You know what's coming? A wall. You are going to hit a wall. Another word for it, burnout. You're going to hit that wall. Sooner or later, you're going to hit it. Too many times I have seen eager Christians bite off more than they can chew and they get burnt out and they hit the wall and they give up. Now thankfully Moses had an opportunity to rest. And you know what happened when Moses rested? The work continued. Do you hear me, Christian? People think, man, i got to keep doing what I'm doing because if I stop, the work's going to stop. No, it's not. God created rest. Rest is a good thing. The work's going to continue. When Moses got his rest, the work continued. Let's look at Psalm 23, the first three verses. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want... He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He, light, he leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for my name's sake. You know the first thing that I noticed there in that verse? It says, the Lord is my shepherd. You know what that means? That means you're not the shepherd. You are not the shepherd. The Lord is is the shepherd. The shepherd feeds the flock. The shepherd provides for the flock. The shepherd protects the flock. We are not the shepherd. And part of the reason why our souls are so tired is because we think we're the shepherd. We think we are the shepherd. We ourselves. And that's why we have no rest. We say the Lord is our shepherd, but we really don't mean it. Because the Lord isn't leading us. Your ambition is leading you. Your responsibilities are leading you. Your obligations are leading you. And those things in and of themselves are not a bad thing. But when you're trying to, uh, to do it without God and you're trying to do it on your own, they become bad things. We end up running ourselves into the ground. We do not set the pace. The shepherd sets the pace. Do you know how great it would be if there was more than 24 hours in a day? Man, I, some days I wish days were just 48 hours long. Because, man, just throw an extra 24 in there, God, I've got, I've got a lot of stuff to do. Man, some days I wish... Days were shorter, days were longer, but guess what? I don't set the clock. I wasn't the one who determined 24 hours and that's it. God did. God set that clock, not me. I didn't set it. Then the Bible says, I shall not want. In other words, we lack nothing. Except when we make ourselves the shepherd, 
we lack stuff. You see, when God's the shepherd, we don't lack anything. But when we're the shepherd, we lack stuff. We will always lack the recognition that our flesh seeks. We will lack our... Uh, the, 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 uh, Facebook constantly tells us that we lack stuff. Constantly. We go on there and post a picture of a crawfish bowl. I'm not telling you not to post pictures of crawfish bowl. Please post them. Because I love seeing the crawfish. Even if I can't eat it, I want to see it. Okay? But we, we post a picture of a crawfish bowl, but we look at that, someone else looks at that and says, man, I wish I could afford to do that. Man, I wish I had time to do that. Man, they're having a crawfish bowl and they didn't invite me. See, that's what we think. When we're leading ourselves, we're always lacking. We chase after things that we lack when we're the shepherd. Augustine was a famous theologian, and he once said, Our hearts are restless, Lord, until they find rest in you. And the more you tell your soul you lack things, the more restless your soul becomes the more tired your soul becomes. Maybe today, you're chasing an expectation that deep down you know it's impossible to meet. It may have worked out at first. It may have done good when you first started. But uh, it's not working out anymore. When the Lord is your shepherd, you lack nothing. Because if we listen to the Lord, we'll do the following. You know what the Psalm 23 says? He makes us lie down. He makes us lie down. Sometimes God makes you lie down. Now you, can have, you have a choice. You can either lie down or you can be pushed down. You can slow down or you can fall down. It's your choice. Look, sheep are not smart animals. Sheep are pretty dumb. That's part of the reason why God called us sheep. Because he knows us. But sheep are not smart animals. And here's the thing that a sheep will do. A sheep will eat and eat and eat and will not stop eating. Because they don't know when to stop. And it's, when this happens, it's called sheep bloat. Sheep bloat is a real thing. And it can be deadly for a sheep. And David, having been a shepherd, knew about sheep bloat. And every once in a while, you got to make the sheep lay down. Hey, look, I know that there's green pastures all around you. I know that there's opportunity all around you. I know there's all kind of stuff that you can get down, but I'm going to make you lay down in the middle of this green pasture because it's not time for that yet. He makes you lay down in a green pastures. There's always more to eat. There's always more to get into. But sometimes the shepherd comes along and says, lie down. You don't have a choice. Lie down. But Brett, there's so much to do. Brett, there's so much to accomplish. There's so many opportunities. 
But as sheep, we take on too much. And we get sheep bloat. And the shepherd has to say, lie down. The Bible tells us it is possible to get weary in well-doing. That's what it tells us to do. And it commands us, Galatians 6, 9, it commands us not to get weary in well-doing. How do you not get weary? You rest. That's it. That's how you not get weary in well-doing. You rest. But man, we're worried about what other people think of us. Man, if I slow down, people will think I don't care about God. People will think I don't care about my family. People will think I don't care about my job. If I slow down, people will think that I'm lazy. But you see, you only worry about those things when you're leading yourself. See, when God's leading you, it's not on you. It wasn't your decision. It was God's decision. So many times I managed that oil chain shop, I wish I could just pass the buck off to somebody else because it would just be a relief for me. That's the man. Go talk to him. My employees have to say that to me. They point to me. But you know what? How good is it to say, I didn't make this decision. God made it for me. Now, we worry about these things because we try to lead ourselves. After, after so long of eating, the shepherd says, lie down. And if we don't listen to the shepherd, we're going to hit that wall. It's almost like if you don't stop and take a breath, one day you're going to stop for good. You're going to stop altogether. What do we do when we see that check engine light come on? We keep driving, baby. Keep going. Check engine light. Give me a piece of electrical tape. Let me cover that up. You know, I ain't got time to stop at no mechanic. I ain't got time to take my car and get it checked out. I got stuff going on. Somebody, how long is your check engine light? Oh, that's been on for a year. Don't worry about it. It's nothing. Let me cover that thing up until your transmission goes out and you're on the side of the road. That's just who we are. And we get like, man, I, management has to have this report on Monday. I have to get it done and I have to sacrifice what I have to sacrifice because I can't lose that client. And we just keep pushing and we keep pushing, and we keep pushing. And if that is you, one day, let me tell you, God is going to make you lie down. He's going to make you lie down in green pastures, opportunities all around you, and it's going to feel like you're missing out, and it's, going to, it's not going to feel good, but it'll be the best thing for you. I could not stand going, when I was a kid, I had a bedtime. I could not stand going to bed when we had company over because I felt like I was missing something. So I would get out of the bed and I would crack the door and I would listen to see what's going on. Brett, get back in bed. I get back in bed. Doesn't feel good sometimes, but it's the best thing for you. I heard a preacher tell a story one time about he was talking to one of his members. 
And the member was telling this preacher, he was telling his preacher uh, how, how hard he was worked and, and, and how the long hours that he puts in at his job and how he gets up on Monday and he goes to work and it's more than just a clock in, clock out thing. Man, he put in the time and he worked hard and he sacrifices for this job and he does it the whole week and then Saturday and Sunday gets here and he's so tired and he's so worn out that all he can do is just sleep for two days just to, just to get just to get back to where he'll wake up Monday morning and start all over again. But he said it was just rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. And he did this over and over and over until it began to take his toll. And his marriage began to suffer. And his wife felt neglected because he was never around. And the, the relationship began to suffer, and it got so bad that he was fairly confident in that time that his marriage would not last. He had issues with his children. Uh, his, his relationship with his kids were, were, were suffering, and he never had any time to do anything with his family until one day he just got to a breaking point, and he walked into his boss's office, and he sat across from his boss, and he said, I am fried. We have to do something different. The preacher looked at his church member and said, that must have took a lot of courage to do. And the church member started laughing. He said, I didn't have a choice. I did not have a choice. I was about to lose everything. Christian, you can either slow down or you can fall down. You can slow down or you can fall down. It is your choice. David did not, uh, God did not make David lay down in green pastures because he was mad at him. De uh, God didn't make David lay down in green pastures because he was angry at him. He did it because it was the only way he would get refreshed. It was the only way he would get restored. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. I want that for this church. I want God to refresh your soul. I want God to restore your soul. I want God to bring you rest. But it doesn't happen overnight. It's a process. And what I'm going to do this morning is I'm going to give you a three-step process. Step number one, check your speed. Check your speed. Who else in here is fairly annoyed by slow people. And you're like, oh, will you please just hurry up? And just like you're just, oh, hurry. And what annoys me is that guy that gets out into the passing lane and goes the same speed as the guy in the driving lane. So you're just like, oh, we're just driving along here for 20 miles. You know, oh, I can't stand that. It's a passing lane. You're supposed to go faster. Hurry up. If you want to go the speed limit, get in the driving lane. That's just like a pet peeve of mine. And when I go to the grocery store, I am on a mission. When I go to the grocery store by myself, I am on a mission to get in and out as fast as humanly possible. 
I try to make one pass and get everything I need because I do not want to go double back. Sometimes I'll say it's, I miss an item, I'll get to the milk and I'll say, oh, I missed an item and I just forget about it because I don't want to double back. And I am in that grocery store and my goal is speed, speed, speed. And as I'm walking up to the checkout counters, I'm looking at each checkout. I'm counting how many people are in front of me in those checkouts. And I'm looking in their buggies and I'm saying, how many items do they have? And because, because two people might go quicker than one person if they have less items and then you start counting your items to see if you have enough to go into the 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 quick checkout and you think well um i've got i've got 17 items but a couple of these are the same thing so that'll count and so you get into the express lane anyway and it's just about speed 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 Sometimes I get in a hurry at work. <laughs> she was going to say amen. Sometimes I get in a hurry at work, and I am, so I'll see cars drive up, and I'm just like, okay, we're doing this to this car over here. This service is going to take this long. I got to put this car on that bay and this car on that bay, and that's a diesel, and that diesel needs to go over here. I'm 20 steps ahead of where I need to be. And so then I start barking orders to my employees, and I'm saying, do this, 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 and they're like, huh? What did you say? Because while they're two steps ahead, I'm 20 steps ahead. And it's just how my brain works. What we want to do is we want to be fast, fast, fast. And let me tell you today, speed kills relationships. Hurry will destroy your soul. He leads me beside the quiet waters. You know why the, quiet, why the waters are quiet? Because they're not moving. They're still. They're not moving. We've said this before, but sheep startle easily. Sheep aren't going to drink from a rushing brook. They're not going to do it because the noise scares them. So the, the more quiet the waters are, the more likely they'll come and drink of that water because they're afraid of all the fast-moving stuff. We used to play this game. I used to play it in children's church a lot. I played it in uh, vacation Bible school some. And it's where you take the balloon and you try to keep it up in the air. And you just do that. And when it's just one balloon, you're doing pretty good. Come here, Caleb. Face out that way. Keep the balloon in the air. So when you're doing one balloon, you're doing pretty good. But then when you add a second balloon, it gets a little harder. And then you add a few more balloons, and then you're not able to keep any of them up. Okay, Caleb, you can go sit down. I think I got my point across. And you, you, you just, you one balloon, man, I'm really good at keeping this balloon up. But then you add something else and it gets a little harder. 
And then you add something else, and man, now you're not good at keeping any balloons up. And the more stuff you add, the more chances those balloons are going to hit the floor. They just keep dropping. People think that we're multitaskers, and studies have been done. Humans cannot multitask. It's one thing to, you know, eat popcorn and watch a movie. That's not what I'm talking about. But any task that takes any thought, it's, it's, really, uh, it's really hard to do. Humans aren't actually multitaskers. What we are is we're switch taskers. We switch from this to this, from this to this. And some people are really good at switch tasking. And we call those women. Because men... <laughs> Men are hopeless when it comes to this thing. The old, did you hear what I said? Let me tell you something. If I wasn't looking at you, I wasn't listening to you. I'm just, I'm just not that type of person. But, you know, sometimes I'll get lucky. Sometimes Emily will, Emily will get, I get done speaking and uh, she was like, you didn't hear a thing I said, did you? And I look at her and be like, we got to go tomorrow to take the thing, to drop off for so-and-so for the thing next week. And she's like, oh, okay. And in my head, I'm thinking, whew, I'm glad I listened to the last 10 seconds of that conversation. <laughs> Woo, got me out of a pickle right there. But man, with, that's, just, that's just how we are. When you have too many balloons in the air, you're not effective at anything. You're not effective at keeping any of them up. Listen, if you drive 20 miles an hour and you hit a speed bump, you'll be okay. If you're driving 100 miles an hour and you hit a speed bump, you're going to be in a ditch. And that's where a lot of us are. We're either in the ditch or we're going into the ditch. So what I, uh, number the second thing, so the first thing I want just to remind you, check your speed. Here's number two. Find your rhythm. Find your rhythm. There's a company that studies athletes and they study CEOs of Fortune 500 companies. And what they're doing is they're trying to look for the world's most productive people. And when they study these people, one thing that they've noticed about the most productive people on the planet is they have a rhythm of rest and recovery. Rest and recovery. Some people think that stress is what causes burnout, and that's not true. Actually, some stress is actually healthy for you. Stress is not what causes burnout. Burnout comes when there is no rhythm of rest and recovery. One author said it like this. Listen to this. If we do not allow for a rhythm of rest in our overly busy lives, Illness becomes our Sabbath. Our pneumonia, our cancer, our heart attack, our burnout creates Sabbath for us. Going to you break down and can't go anymore is not right. It's the wrong thing to do, man. It's wrong. God created the Sabbath. Man, just think of all the things he did in those six, that six days. Look at all the creation he did. But he, he dedicated a whole day to just rest. Rest 
is not a bad thing. Rest was created by God. And if we do not have a rhythm of rest, he will make us lie down in green pastures. I've been a member and worked on staff at churches that taught that the more responsibility you have and the more time you spend away from your family, the more successful Christian you will be, the more successful staff member you will be, the more successful preacher you will be. And this is a false way of thinking, especially for someone in the ministry, because if you don't have a family, you don't have a ministry. If you lose your family, what's the point? It's one of the reasons we used to have ladies and men's meetings every month. And it's one of the reasons why we started staggering them. We'd have a ladies meet, we have a ladies meeting one month and the next month we have a men's meeting. And the reason for that is because what we were seeing is we were eating up two weekends a month with each family. Your family time is just as important as church. Just as important as church. Man, I couldn't imagine hearing preachers in my past say that. But your family time is just as important as church. Let me tell you something. Man, we, we, we think, Brett, I've got all these things that I'm doing, and all these things I'm doing are good things. How can I cut something, Brett? Are you telling me to cut something off my schedule? To cut something out? Brett, all these things I'm doing, they're necessary. All these, I can't cut something. You're missing the point. It's not about cutting something. It's about prioritizing things. What takes priority? Well, the first thing on your list should be your faith. Your faith should take top priority. Man, let me tell you something. If you don't schedule time in your calendar to spend time with God, you won't do it. If you don't block out time to get alone with God at some point in your day and, get in, and spend time with God, it will not happen, but it is so important for your faith. And number two on that list is your marriage. Your marriage. You've got to get some time every week and spend with your spouse. And I didn't say once every three months. I said once every week. You don't have to, what's the name of the Mexican restaurant they meet? Lock, you don't have to go to La Coretta's every week, you know? Man, during the pandemic, that was the only restaurant that was open, man. We was, it seems like we was in La Coretta's every week. But you don't have to go to La Coretta's every single week. Just, man, just get alone. Spend time together. Go for a walk. Do something. And then number three on that list is your family. Have you noticed I have not said job yet? Your family is more important. Faith, marriage, family, that's your foundation. You start with that foundation and that'll help you make the rest of the list. So it's not about cutting stuff out. It's about prioritizing what's important. We need a rhythm. And then number three, trust in the Lord. 
He, in the verse 3, he restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Did you know that the valley of the shadow of death is a real place in Israel? It is a real place. It's a very deep, very steep, very narrow valley. And David, having been a shepherd, will, uh, he would have taken his sheep through this valley. The sun only hits the bottom of this valley once a day at high noon. The sun hits the bottom of the valley. The rest of the time, the valley's in darkness. And it's a dangerous place because it's a great, great place for an ambush. There's plenty of places for robbers to hide and threaten travelers. How many of us today, we're in a valley of depression? How many of us today, we're in a valley of anxiety and you cannot see the light at the end of the tunnel and there's a shadow that hangs over you. It's like this rain cloud that only rains on you and you're Charlie Brown walking around and it only rains on you. How many of us feel that? It follows us everywhere we go. Maybe today you're fearing evil. Maybe today you get on your phone and you see evil in the world and you hear the news and you hear evil in the world all around us and you fear what's going to happen to your family and you fear what's going to happen to your country and we're just fearful. God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of a sound mind. What did David say? David said, I will fear no evil. Why, David? Because the evil's not real? No, the evil's real. I just won't fear it because the Lord is with me. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. That's why I don't fear evil, because the Lord is with me. And today, Christian, you need to know that the Lord is with you. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Christian, he wants to give you rest. Run to the Father. Block off some time. Get rest for your souls. Whether it's a day, it's a half a day, it's 30 minutes, whatever, you need it. One day a man challenged another man to a wood chopping contest. Man, the challenger got out there and from, from the beginning of the day to the end of the day, he just chopped wood. He didn't take any breaks. He took a very short lunch, but he just chopped wood and chopped wood and chopped wood. And every time he looked at the other woodsman, the guy that he challenged, man, this guy took a long, leisurely lunch. He's taking breaks throughout the day. And then it gets to the end of the day and he's like, man, I'm going to beat this guy. Every time I look over there, he's taking a break. And at the end of the day, the challenger, he looked over at the other guy and he had, he had cut substantially more wood than him. And so he goes to the other guy and says, man, I don't understand. Every time I looked over here, you're taking a break. How in the world could you have cut more wood than me? And then the finished woodsman looked at the other guy and said, you didn't notice this, but every time I took a break... I had time to sharpen my axe. 
And that's why I cut more wood than you. The invitation is going to be very different today. We're going to stand, but we're not going to bow our heads. We're not going to close our eyes. We're going to play a worship song. I want you to sing it. I want you to think about the words of this worship song as we sing it today. Of course, the, the altar's open. If you wish to come down, you can. But that's going to be our invitation today. Please stand if you're physically able as this song plays. I've carried a burden For too long on my own I wasn't created To bear it alone I hear your invitation To let it all go I see it now, I'm laying it down I know that I need you I've brought to the Father, full into grace I'm done with the hiding, no reason to wait My heart needs a surgeon, my soul needs a friend So I run to the Father condition had a plan from the start your son for redemption the price for my heart I don't have a context for that kind of love I don't understand I can't comprehend All I know is I need you I'm brought to the Father Full into grace I'm done with the hiding No reason to wait My heart needs a surgeon My soul needs a friend So I run to the Father again And again and again to 